You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What a football weekend. The NFL crowned a champion, and it wasn't who we thought. J.J. Watt picked up a huge honor, and a Houston Oilers legend finally finds his way to Canton, Ohio. Lots to talk about. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Robert Land, along with my co-host, House of Houston's Brian Patterson. Welcome to Locked On Texans. We are your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We are also part of the FanRag Sports Network. Brian, I want to talk Super Bowl in a few minutes, but before we do that, how about J.J. winning the Walter, Walter Pate Man of the Year Award? I, I know we kind of figured this was going to happen. I'm going to play a speech, which was darn good, by the way, to close out the show, but since they've made this into an Oscar event, I thought he and his girlfriend, Kaylee Ohio, showed some Oscar-worthy fashion sense. <laughs> you know, J.J. is is just one of those uh, magnetic figures, you know, that's able to, you know, to, to project. Uh, like, if he's trying to uh, front a particular image, yeah, he can do that. I mean, he has a, a very, very good prospective career outside of football in media, whether it's in movies or, or being the front man for commercials. You know, he, he definitely has that in him but uh good for jj just glad he won the award you know we had talked about it early in some shows uh, about that he would win the award but you know bar none 37 million dollars raised you know not by just you know people who had a lot of money but by doctors lawyers teachers kids all donating to that fund then that's uh 37 million dollars so it's hard to to compete against that but greg olson and uh, Ben Watson, you know, they all had, you know, very good. They were very good candidates in this. And, uh, and they will continue to do that, uh, what they're doing out there. But, yeah, I, I am really, really uh, proud of JJ. Great for him to bring this home. Right. And, it, and it's not just raising the $37 million. It's just what, what he's doing in the community and working, to, you know, almost by himself to make sure it goes to the right places. I also feel like it's a cumulative award because JJ's done so much over the years, but we, we, you guys know that story. Uh, let's get to the other Associated Press Awards. No true surprises. Brady wins MVP. Sean McVay, Coach of the Year. Aaron, Don, Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year. Although you and I liked Calais Campbell, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Alvin Kamara, and Defensive Rookie of the Year, Marshawn Lattimore. A Saints sweep. How about that draft for the Saints? Uh, that's pretty good. Todd Gurley gets Offensive Player of the Year. And the Chargers' Keenan Allen wins Comeback Player of the Year after coming back from an ACL injury. Now, Brian, did you have the Eagles winning Celebration of the Year for the Electric Slide? I thought that was a tough call. You know, I, I had a couple by <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved it myself. Um, it was just a, a terrific play uh, to, to watch. You know, if there was a category for it, uh, we need to put that in there. I, I totally No, agree. that's it. No, there was. That's what I'm saying. They won that category. It was Celebration of the Year, believe it or not. It wasn't the – it wasn't the uh, – uh, bowling pins. I think that was against the Texans. Maybe that was Seattle. That was pretty good. But uh, yeah, just just thought I would throw out that throw that out there. Anything else from the awards that caught your eye? Did you get a chance to watch it by chance? I, I did not get to watch it. I was out uh, watching the uh, the Rockets and the Cavs. They didn't have the awards show on where I was at. I was at Kirby's Ice House uh, on uh, off of East Side Drive. Uh, you know, in Central Houston. I was watching the Cavs, and they should have put a TV on for the awards show. 
and um, I would have been able to uh, get a good grasp of what was going on. But I did keep up, you know, basically on Twitter, you know, with all the major awards like NFL MVP, you know, like the award that Marshawn Lattimore won, he won the Defensive Player of the Year and, and whatnot. But uh, wow, I, I did not know that that actually was a category. It's good that the NFL is embracing celebrations again because I kind of missed that when they were you know, kind of cutting things down when Ocho Cinco was, you know, he was a pioneer for something like that. And I'm glad they're bringing it back. I, I would love to see more of it. Um, you know, it's just a great way for players to let off some steam and just be themselves, have an individuality. The Hall of Fame announcement was on Saturday, and this was fantastic because Robert Brazil, we kind of teased you with it. We said it was going to happen uh, earlier uh, a few weeks ago. We, we, we gave you a little bit of uh, an old Robert Brazil interview back on Monday. So go check that out. But man, Brian, I mean, this is uh, this is a guy that it's I, I'm kind of it's kind of melancholy a little bit because I feel like this is going to be the last major. Well, there's no question. This is the last major celebration of the Houston Oilers. He's the last one that's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Brazil, you know, he was part of that all 70s team uh, that that alone should have had him in probably long ago, uh, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time uh, All-Pro. I mean, just an incredible career, and he changed the game. I mean, he made the outside linebacker in the 3-4. Uh, he turned that guy into Lawrence Taylor. I mean, Lawrence Taylor said, if there was no Robert Brazil, there would be no me. So uh, just uh, I'm just so ecstatic for Robert because he, he's, a, he's a really good guy. Got a chance to meet him when, you know, obviously when we did the interview and just uh, couldn't have been nicer. Uh, ran into him the other day. Hopefully we're going to get a chance to talk to him later on. But, boy, Brian, it's, it's going to be really cool to have just one final celebration of the Oilers, to, to see Love You Blue, to hear the speeches a little bit. And uh, just uh, that, was a, that was a real nice thing under the radar this weekend. Exactly. And just uh, the fact that, you know, you can kind of get a grasp from him of what things were like back when he was playing the game, because things were a lot different. Um, he was defensive rookie of the year in his, you know, the rookie year was in 1975, nicknamed Dr. Doom. Now, all this was happening. I wasn't even alive yet. I was a twinkle in my parents' eye. I, <laughs> I was not even being thought of, but uh, just watching tape and just, you know, researching and learning about him, of how much of a pioneer he was, um, it's, it's just nothing short of amazing. He has 11 sacks recorded, but sacks weren't recorded until 1982. So goodness knows how many sacks he, he should have had, <laughs> had had this stat been recorded. Um, he had recorded 13 interceptions, 14 fumble reco recoveries. Again, you know, he, again, those are stats that probably if they were recording them regularly, it, it would be a lot different. Uh, seven Pro Bowls, like you said, seven playoff appearances. This man had quadruple bypass surgery. This guy is actually happy to be alive. Um, and he said, you know, and just being quoted just when he was interviewed by uh, my read an article on ESPN, and he's just happy to be alive. And it, it just he felt it was meant to be that, you know, it, he he wasn't gone because it was meant for him to be at, in the Pro Bowl. So good for him. He started all 147 games of his career as a Houston Oiler, nowhere else here in Houston. That is a remarkable feat, and um, I have a ton of respect for him just on how he changed the game at that particular position. Yeah, really, it's now, I think, three guys that are Houston Oilers in the Hall of Fame from that 
Love you, blue team. Earl, uh, of course, Elvin Bethay, and, and now Robert Brazil. So just uh, – and, and uh, well, I may get four. Curly Culp was also in that group. So four, four Houston Oilers from that team. Uh, remarkable, of course – the Steelers had nine guys, and that's why they won all those games against the Oilers when it mattered. Uh, one last quick note before we get into the Super Bowl, and this might have gone under Texans' ra- fans' radar, a little bit under the radar. Uh, Texans assistant GM Jimmy Ray, who was, of course, in consideration for the Texans' GM job, was interviewed by the Panthers Thursday for their GM job. If he gets it, Brian, we can compare how he's doing to Brian Gain for years to come in the old big what-if category. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, good for Jimmy. Good, Jimmy's got the experience, uh, and he has not had a GM job, you know, per se himself. I mean, he's, um, you know, worked in the front office, director of player, pro personnel. Um, he, he was doing that, and then, of course, he was assistant behind Rick Smith, so he was able to get some experience there working with him. I don't know if that's necessarily a good or bad thing, but we're about to see if he is a man that's hired uh, with the Panthers um, and he does real well in the job. I mean, he's going to get hitting the ground early, you know, just with, you know, all the work he has to do preparing for the draft and for free agency. Um, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. And it just wasn't going to work with him here and Brian Game because I'm pretty sure he wants to bring in his guys uh, to to run the show. Uh, but just, you know, good for him that he's able to go and get take advantage of this opportunity. Well, Wish him the best well he's, he hadn't taken advantage of anything yet. He hadn't got it yet. And he still might be working with Brian Gaines. So don't close the book on that one yet before we talk about one of the best super bowl games from beginning to end in history want to remind everybody if you're enjoying locked on texans tell your friends let them know they can find us on itunes stitcher tune in and spotify so lots of ways for you to put us on your phone and keep you company in houston traffic hallelujah the patriots lose brady loses and former texan special team favorite brian brayman is a hero Wow, wow. And man, and since he last left the Texas, he grew out his hair. He's got a ponytail now. Uh, but he, he was making play, especially, you know, just when he was on special teams uh, with that bone crunching tackle that he had. And I, I had to yell out, Brian, is that Brian Brayman out there? You know, when I was, it was, it was just amazing that he had a, a part in the Super Bowl, you know, just a key moment where he was able to contribute uh, to the Eagles win uh, today. I mean, uh, that, that's just purely amazing. Is there, man, is there anybody who didn't think the Patriots had this one with the ball in hand with Brady and 225 left on the clock, Brian? I, I thought that they were going to figure it out. I thought they were going to have it uh, because that defense looked like they were getting gassed. And Tom Brady, you know, there he was, you know, catching back up, using Gronk, and he just didn't have enough at the end. And with, I forget, forgot the guy who went and knocked the ball out of his hands. I mean, it was a beautifully uh, executed play, and Tom didn't know what hit him. He was still trying to throw the football, and the ball got knocked out of his hands, and uh, that pretty much ended it right there. But again, they got the ball back. And there were some amazing uh, plays that they were trying to do to get up the field. They got up to midfield, and then he went for that Hail Mary uh, out there. And then, you know, then that that happened um, as far as, you know, with the key block uh, from one of their uh, linebackers there. So Right, right. Well, the thing, you know, is with Tom Brady and that last few seconds, Brian, I mean, we've seen this a million times. I mean, it's Tom Brady, even with a minute left, and he's back at the, you know, inside the 10-yard line. It's Tom Brady. I mean, you, you, you don't give up on him. And if you, if you didn't think that there was a chance he was going to win the game, 
just remember a couple of weeks ago in Case Keenum. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Oh, Case Keenum could did it. Uh, why not Tom Brady? Anything can happen here still. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't count them out because I had to wait and see how this was all going to pan out uh, before I could rule anything to, to happen there. But still, it was like the Eagles were giving, were taking their last stand. You know, they were doing everything they could to you know, prevent them to, to to move across the field. And, of course, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. But fatigue comes into it. But you get that second win whenever the game's on the line, when it's just close. And I was like, oh, crap. Tom Brady, he's going to do it again. He's going to come back and win the Super Bowl. And then we'll start hearing him again. But good for Nick Foles with the MVP, you know, him giving the speech this time. But um, I, you know, I'm actually kind of proud of of Nick Foles. I'm not necessarily an Eagles fan, of course, because, <laughs> you know, I'm a Houstonian, but uh it's good for him because this guy, just think about it. He was on a camping trip, if I'm not mistaken, before he got the call to back up Carson Wentz uh, for the season. He had just gotten cut from the Chiefs. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll go out and do it. And then he goes in and steps in and, and wins the Super Bowl. Has a great relationship with Doug Peterson, uh, which probably would have should have been the coach of the year, but Sean McVay just was a bit better of uh, a candidate just by an edge there. But uh, what what a great team that Philadelphia has put together. Uh, GM, I, I did did Howie win executive of the year. I don't know if they announced that there. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, but if, if that's the case, uh, certainly this is representative of all the work they've done uh, in the offseason to what you see now as far as Super Bowl winners. Yeah, was the defender's name? It was Vaughn, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I couldn't remember the guy's name. Right. I don't know every every player on the Eagles, but um, I know our guys that used to be here with the Texas very well. <laughs> Why don't you know uh, all of them, Brian? I mean, come on, that's what that's what you're here for. <laughs> hey, uh, there there was a ton of points left on the board in this one, Brian. The Eagles missed an extra point, a two point conversion, and had the illegal procedure penalty near the goal line, which probably cost them a touchdown. So just I, I put that as four points right there. I'm like adding them up as the game's going along. Uh, so I, I count that together as six points because I figured they'd have gone for the extra point in the second one and they'd have made it. And so they'd have the two points there. So the Patriots uh, also uncharacteristic with special teams issues, the bad snap on the field goal, the missed extra point cost them four yeah. points total. You figured it was going to cost somebody in this game. And, but when you think about it, it really didn't because if you give the Patriots four extra points, they still lose the game. And if you give the Eagles uh, six extra points, uh, you know, they, they still win the game, obviously. So it, it, it ended up not mattering. But uh, I mean, this was I mean, this is everything you could ask for in a Super Bowl. It was back and forth the whole time. You know, the, the Eagles uh, much praised defense after, you know, the game uh, in the championship game. They didn't seem to have any answer for Tom Brady. I mean, of course. Belichick and Brady call up a brilliant game plan. Guys are open, uh, wide open a- across the field. Uh, big, big play, I, I thought, was um, the guy that beat us, the guy that beat the Texans at the end of the game. Uh, he goes down with that huge hit, massive hit. I mean, uh, and, and without him, he, oh, yeah. he's, he's, their, he's their long threat. I mean, I'm blanking on the name right now, but – yeah, Brandon he, Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Yeah, he he's their long threat. So I mean, you know, you don't have that anymore to open up the field for Gronkowski and Edelman and some of their underneath guys. 
Yeah. Ooh, that was gruesome when I saw it too. And I knew he, this guy, he wasn't coming back in the game because he, he just came out of nowhere and he, it, it wasn't illegal because when, once he caught the ball, he started, he became a runner. So the rules change and he had every right to hit him the way he did. And, you know, whenever there, there's a game like this, it's high stakes and it sucks for Brandon because, you know, he, you know, probably expected to contribute heavily. I imagine if he were healthy, the Patriots probably would have won this. It, 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 he, he's one of those difference making players, as you, you saw with, you know, week three against the Texans. And uh, he, he was a guy that, that won the game there. But I know you're going to get to this, but how about that trick play <laughs> oh. with Trey Burton and Nick Foles? That, I, I got up on that one. That, that was one of the most amazing plays I've seen. Uh, in my lifetime, just in, in Tom Brady and, uh, M, you know, Amendola, they tried to do it, but it just didn't quite work out. Tom Brady couldn't really get a hand on the ball. So they gave him a dose of their own medicine, but this time they did it right. And they scored a touchdown. All I was thinking, Brian, when I watched that is Dom Capers, Gary Kubiak, Bill O'Brien. You'll never see a Texans coach with the kind of guts, the kind of gonads that Doug Peterson showed in this game, not just that play, which was, you know, oh, just, yeah. just, just going for it right there was huge on that play. Forget the play call. And then he had the big fourth down on the drive, the game-winning drive, it turns out, for the Eagles. I mean, just all sorts of things that, you know, we would never see the Texans do. Right. And there were a lot of fourth downs that they, they converted. Um, if I'm not mistaken, their, their fourth down uh, conversion uh, situation that they had – uh, from from what I understand, I know they converted at least three or four of them. I know I, I've got to look back at the stats uh, just to make sure as far as where they stood on that. But I know they converted a lot of fourth downs. I mean, he trusted uh, Nick Foles, and um, it, it and he and it's an evidence that he knows the system, he knows how to run it. And Nick Foles said, you know, I've the last time I caught a touchdown pass was in high school. I was a tight end, so you know I'm very familiar with with running that play, but you know, was, was he expecting to run that in the Super Bowl? Probably not. But Doug said, yeah, no, we're going to, let's run this. Let's see if the Patriots can stop it. And you know, as he was all by himself, there was not a Patriots defender uh, near him. And that put, you know, and, and honestly, it, it, it at the time for Matt Patricia, he, he probably had egg all over his face. I think the pencil fell out of his ear when that happened. <laughs> Does he ever use that thing? We were talking about that, what, you know, the show. No, no he doesn't. <laughs> hey, uh, Tom Brady, not a clutch wide receiver. Not clutch. He's not, no. He doesn't have the clutch gene. I'm just telling you. No, no, no. He needs to keep his day job. Uh, quarterback is, is good for him, and who knows how long he's going to continue to play. Um it, it, he it is just that it, it doesn't look crisp uh, and he tried to run and you know, you know how he runs. It's not, it's not great looking. So uh, yeah, I, I just hope that, uh, you know, in terms of this, you know, what's going on with the, uh, with, with the Eagles and, and with this game that, that, that Nick Foles looks back and, 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 and reflects whether he decides to hang it up or keeps going, you know, he's, it's just going to be one of those memorable moments of, of his career um, his life has changed forever, whether, whether we like it or not, it, it has changed forever. And he is truly a champion. I like it. It's good. No, that's a good thing that Nick Foles life has changed forever. Uh, a couple a couple things I wanted to throw at you, uh, just a couple more observations from the game. 
Uh, well, you mentioned Foles. I mean, great man. He made some great throws in that game. I mean, he, he, had, did. he had that one bad throw on a, like a five yard, uh, you know, pass towards the sideline where he threw it about five feet over uh, the head of Alshon Jeffrey, but the, the catch, first of all, the throw and the catch that Jeffrey made in the end zone, Alshon Jeffrey made the catch, obviously the throw that Foles made uh, in, in outstanding, incredible. Um, just the thing is, Brian, Nick Foles, you, you want to talk about, you know, congratulations to Nick Foles. Congratulations to his agent because he just made a ton of money. I yes, mean, he did. Somebody's going to want him to start, right? I mean, somebody is going to want him to start. And, um, you know, Nick Foles, although he, th- he may be thinking about retirement, he might go and cash in uh, a little bit more. I mean, he's he's still pretty young enough to where he could go a few more years. Hey, if Alex Smith could cash in on 71 million guaranteed, I know there's some money for Nick Foles out there. There are still teams that need a quarterback right now. I just don't see Nick Foles returning to the Eagles as a backup. It's just I, I don't think that's a, a feasible option with all the needs other teams I have out there right now. Anything else you got on this one? Any other moments from the game that just uh, stick out to you? I'm trying to, you know, zip back in my mind. I mean, there's all sorts of, I mean, plays made, you know, all over the field. Uh, just, uh, it was, uh, you couldn't ask for, a, you know, it, it had everything. You had trick plays, uh, you know, just Tom Brady trying to catch the ball. You mentioned the Eagles play. We mentioned a couple of them, but I mean, some incredible catches, great throws, uh, some great running, uh, underrated running by a lot of that was LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, yeah. didn't you think he had a great game? I, I did. And the guy that you would have thought that fell by the wayside, that he was dropping off, that he didn't have it anymore, he found new life with the Eagles. So good for him in regard to that. I honestly thought that James White uh, was was going to be one of the heroes, and he got er- going early, but – no, they were able to contain him by the Eagles defense. But another thing I wanted to bring up is what about Malcolm Butler? I mean, what the heck was what did he do that was so bad that he got benched for this game? You know, Bill Belichick, you know, he's always secretive of why he decided uh, to bench somebody. And, you know, he's always going to say, well, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, we're in the best position to win. But when you got a cornerback that <laughs> that won a Super Bowl for you with one play, and was very, very solid this season. You know, I something it's something he must have done breaking team rules, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, drugs or or whether or not he was, you know, he, he was out late at night and he 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 missed, you know, he wasn't in by curfew or something like that. I, I'm speculating here, but how could you not have Malcolm Butler in that game? He just made. Uh, 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 his move out of New England, I should say, he just made the move out of New England. Um, That's how they do him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he's. You, there's no doubt he's he's leaving uh, now. So that yeah, that that was something worth noting. Uh, Justin Timberlake halftime, Brian. One of the coolest moments I can remember that print symbol in purple that lit up the outside of the stadium, using all the buildings around. I mean, that was that was cool. That was really neat. It was. It very. It, it very pretty much was. There's there's some controversy though. Um, I was looking on Twitter and uh, there they pulled like an interview from like 20 years ago that Prince said when he leaves, he doesn't want to be, uh, you know, memorialized in that manner. So people were kind of upset about that, the diehard Prince fans. But but hey, it, it, it was it was a great idea um, how they were able to do the duet together. Um, it, it, it worked and it flowed well to me. I am a huge Justin Timberlake fan. Um, way back when to NSYNC, you know, I have, you know, his albums and whatnot. So, you know, I was singing along and, 
you know, just, you know, pretty much everybody else uh, where I was, you know, for the Super Bowl, uh, we were all we're doing so too. And uh, Corey, you know, it was choreographed well and um, just very, very good to the eye as far as all the things that, that made your eyes go, you know, your head was constantly on swivel with all the lights and all the reflections and, and all of that. Um, it, it was a terrific show. It wasn't and, good uh, if you had Tourette syndrome though. I don't think that's that. Ooh, <laughs> that, no, no, that, no, 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 it, no. It was, there was a lot going on there. I mean, or epilepsy. Uh, yeah, it feels like you just, you know, short attention span theater. It's 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 getting to be a lot. So, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's it, it might have been a little bit too much. Yeah, JT's dancing was great. You know, just it, it, for anybody that hasn't heard, I think I've told the story a couple times on the show. But this is a good t- this is a perfect time, actually, to tell the story. I was in the building in 2004 when uh, Timberlake was there uh, for the Super Bowl. I was in the tunnel. At halftime, I'm looking for celebrities. I've got my camera with me. I'm like, oh, I look left. I look right. I look left. I look left too long. And by the time I looked right, uh, with a profile in front of me is Janet Jackson. So I didn't get a shot of her as she was turning the corner to go out of the tunnel to make the most famous halftime moment in Super Bowl history. So, yeah, that, that, that to me is uh, one of my big regrets in life. I just just a split second late. I mean, it, it just, it, it stinks. It's one of it's, I feel like I'm, I'm one of those Super Bowl goats cause I couldn't get it done in the clutch there. Uh, turn it, turn and right a little bit too late, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I saw before the game, like uh, P Diddy and kid rock. And, you know, I talked to Maria Menounos and if you know, Biff Henderson from Letterman, I, I had a conversation with him that was really cool. And I mean, just, uh, celebs were all over the place. Pat O'Brien, you old school NBA fans will remember him. And, you know, he's done some entertainment shows and stuff like that. But just, I mean, they were everywhere. I've probably forgotten half of them. I think I walked by Jay-Z at one point. Um, so, yeah, it, it was super fun. And Timberlake, of course, brings up back all their memories of the uh, Super Bowl here in Houston. Uh, by the way, best commercial, Brian. And this was hands down for me. Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Dirty Dancing. That was a beautiful Loved thing. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. There are going to be a lot of memes out there on this one, by the way. Uh, so if you're on social media, be people are going to be having them out there. So I'm just going to be scanning to see uh, how they make fun of, especially the shot when he's, when he's holding them up in the air right at the end of the commercial. That's going to be the freeze frame that everyone's going to, going to be able to use. But, but hands down, because it was so, you, you weren't expecting that. You weren't in Eli Manning dancing. I, I, that really showed a different side of him. I thought he didn't have. So I, I loved it plenty. The Mannings are pretty much game for anything. Him and Peyton will, will, will do anything to, to make people laugh. And that's, that's a Manning family trait. I think, you know, Brian, the thing about the commercials, they, they're not good anymore. I mean, there, there's, there's not the creativity. There's not the fun. Uh, I mean, we, there was a few of them here and there, but it used to be every one and one after the other, they're trying to top each other. And I'm, I'm watching this this year, and it's just uh, there's not much to choose from that's even close to memorable. The other thing I noticed was that they were showing a ton of the Winter Olympics promos. I thought, you know, you maybe needed one Winter Olympics promo. I mean, everybody's watching the Super Bowl. It's not like you need to do it three or four times. Everybody knows the Olympics are coming up. I mean, it's it, to me, it, it's not something that you have to promote hard, uh, the Winter Olympics. And, you know, that takes money out of NBC's mouth because – 
you know, those are places where you could put some a uh, few million dollar spots in there. Exactly. And I don't know if you were watching, Robert, you may have gotten up to go get some you know, party favors or whatnot. But there was like a gap, about a 30 second blackout. Oh, yeah. We thought something happened to our TV. <laughs> that, that's, you know, because we were turning it on and off wondering what the heck was going on. So some producer probably just got yelled at. He's probably fired because uh, obviously there was supposed to be something in that spot. There was a commercial that probably a company paid millions of dollars. I think the what the uh, like the cost to put a Super Bowl ad on was five million dollars this year. So something was up because something should have been there. They you know they fill these things pretty quickly. So you know well in advance. So I don't know what was going on there. So I thought it was you know our connection maybe it was the uh, it was a cable company itself. But if you saw it, then everybody else uh, I'm pretty sure had the same thing. So there'll probably be an explanation for this. I'm pretty sure on, I mean, I'm not pretty sure people are losing sleep over it, but it'd be interesting to know what the heck happened there. Right. Oh yeah. And, and there's going to be, I'm sure there's stuff that I didn't notice and maybe we're, we're doing this right after the game. That's going to come up and uh, we can get to that later in the week. But I mean, just so much to talk about with the Super Bowl, the other stuff. Um, also uh, pro teams keep breaking the jinx uh, professional sports teams, the Eagles Astros, we know about them, the Cubs and the Cavs. So, we can only wonder, are the Texans next? Are they next, baby? I hope so. Uh, just a quick reminder to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, email us at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If you forget any of that, look for it in the show description. Save our website, LockedOnTexans.com, in your favorites tab, and take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Last couple of things before we hear J.J. Watt's Man of the Year speech. Brian? This was interesting. Did you hear Gary Kubiak's son, Clay, is the new head coach of my high school alma mater, Strake Jesuit? How about that? Hey, that's pretty awesome. I didn't didn't Kubiak? No, Kubiak didn't go there. He he went to uh, St. Pius. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I thought. And uh, but but good for him. I mean that you know he's at your you know school your your alma mater uh, as well. Who knows? Uh, you know maybe in five to ten years he might be in the NFL himself. And considering his last name is Kubiak, that is almost a certainty. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to move your way up from high school. But, yeah, the Kubiak name might help him a little bit. I'm hoping Clay might hire Wade Phillips' son, Wes, away from the Redskins so my school can win a championship, you know, because the Phillips and Kubiak <laughs> combination. Uh, so, it worked? <laughs> yeah, it, it worked. For those who may not know, Wes is the tight ends coach with the Redskins. And, and, and one last thing I wanted to hit on real quick, Brian. Did you watch the 30 for 30, the two bills this, this past week that, that, that had some interesting stuff in it. I thought I did not get a chance, but now that you're telling me about it, I need, I need to get on it because if it's Buffalo bills, there's a lot of history uh, that that's tied into to Houston and I'll, I'll let you go. No, on no, no. That. The two bills, this one is on bill Belichick and bill Parcells. So oh, okay. their, their, their relationship over the years and, you know, it, it was interesting for one thing, I thought, as I watched it, uh, these two guys, they're, they're trying to pretend like they like each other, but they really don't. They, they showed no warmth. <laughs> you know, you had you, you didn't have any warmth that you thought that Bill Belichick had to begin with. But, you know, it, it was definitely apparent that, you know, he's, that there's still the thing with him and Parcells. And that situation was was super interesting because. Um, here's what happened. And, and I'm going to, there's a Texans angle of this, that that's this history changer that I want to get to, which is, which is really interesting. So, uh, Parcells retires right after Belichick takes the, 
takes the Cleveland Browns head coaching job back in the early 90s, if, if anybody forgot this. So Belichick goes to the Browns. Parcells comes out of retirement. He coaches the Patriots. Uh, Belichick gets fired uh, by the Browns. He goes over back with Bill Parcells with the Patriots. And those two guys have won two Super Bowls with the Giants. They've been together the whole time they were with the Giants. Uh, Bill Belichick moved up from, you know, low man on the totem pole, the defensive coordinator for obvious reasons. We know why now. And, and so what happens after that is uh, Parcells and, and Kraft right after the Super Bowl where they lose to the Green Bay, they have this falling out. There's, they don't get along. Parcells goes to the Jets, which is, sh- shocks everybody. He signs with the Jets. And so uh, they try to bring Bill Belichick over to the Jets. And the way that they decided to do it was they said, okay, you're going to be the assistant head coach and Bill Parcells is going to be the head coach. And as soon as Bar- Parcells wants to move, you know, wants to finish up coaching, he's going to move on to the front office and Belichick's going to take over at the he- as the head coach. So I'm setting this all up because um, all of a sudden Parce- Parcells, uh, I mean, excuse me, Belichick gets offered. Uh, Robert Kraft wants him to come back to the Patriots after a couple of years. And Robert Kraft is wooing him and trying to get him to come over. But the Jets say, no, we got him. He's under contract. We're not giving him up. They refuse to give up Belichick, wisely so, of course. I mean, for good reason. So in the meantime, Kraft interviews a defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars named Dom Capers. So so what happens with Capers is, uh, and, and if anybody, I'm, people who saw it, they already know the, the end of this story. But Capers, uh, Kraft said, was nearly hired. There was like a snowstorm. It delayed him about 24 hours to getting uh, up to New England. And he was going to sign him uh, within that time frame. And all of a sudden, uh, the Jets go, well, we'll take comp- compensation for, for Belichick, if, draft picks. So they end up trading draft picks to get Bill Belichick. And then Dom Capers doesn't get the job, and the rest is history. And that changes Texans' history because Dom Capers, uh, more, more, more likely than not, I would say definitely not, is the first coach, you know, definitely not the first coach of the Houston Texans. So um, just a crazy chain of events there that led to Belichick finally ending up with the Patriots. And, of course, you know, eight Super Bowls later, five championships later, I mean uh, – uh, it, it's an amazing story with those two guys. And, you know, they're the two guys arguably are on the Mount Rushmore of head coaches, along with guys like v- Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry. And, you know, you, you might be able to argue against Parcells, but he's such a key figure because so many of his guys, you know, went on to do other things and, you know, just a, such a great motivator. And, and I mean, he's really iconic with, with what he did. I mean, uh, cowboy, his cowboy stint, wasn't as good as they hoped. The, the Dolphins stint didn't go well at all, if I remember right. But, uh, yeah, it, it just just an interesting side note, Brian. Yes, it was. And uh, it's just, you know, the, when you told this, it, it just felt like, you know, going back to the future, you know, my, one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, just the what if, if, if this happened this way and, and it happened that way. Who knows who would have been the coach of the Houston Texans? You know, I have some ideas who, who would have been available at the time, but – you know, would it have been any different as far as how their history has turned out thus far? We will never know. But, uh, yeah, that I'm going to sit out and watch that because it, it seems like it's going to be you know, something that is going to be one of their best works, uh, ESPN. It's good that they're still producing stuff uh, like that because they've done a lot of cuts, but at least they're doing shows like this. 
I, I was interested. I, I don't think it was one of the. We, we probably should do a show on the best 30 for 30s. I don't think it was one of their best 30 for 30s. Uh, oh, okay. It, it was it was good. It's interesting because it's those two guys and just the, the kind of dislike that they have for each other. But there was only so much, not dislike, but you could just tell they were uncomfortable. I think Belichick, you know, rightly appreciates everything Parcells gave him, all the opportunities he gave him, all that he learned from him. As, as professional relationship goes, it was fine. But the, re, the reason for the rift, and I should have mentioned this before, is that, you know, Parcells was real upset that Belichick takes the Patriots job, doesn't hold on with the Jets. But Belichick said, you know, he didn't he had no idea when Parcells was going to retire. It could be, you know, it could have been a long time because Parcells had told him over the years, you know, this might be my last year. This might be my last year. And it was kind of Parcells was crying wolf. So Belichick was like, well, you know, I'm going to take the job where I can get it. You know, the Patriots offered it. I'm out. And <laughs> so that, mm-hmm. that that was the end of that. But no, it, it's worth seeing for sure, because there's a lot of interesting stuff. And I kind of blew one of the one of the big little interesting storylines in there. But just watching the back and forth between the two guys and the lead up with Parcells and what happens with him and Belichick with the Giants and how uh, some of some of that whole uh, decade unfolded, you know, that led to the Super Bowls and stuff like that. That's all definitely worth interesting. Romeo Cornell is in it a lot. So that was, you know, Romeo Cornell gets a little shine in this thing as well. So, you know, that all of that makes it worth uh, worth the watch anyway. Um, over on LockedOnTexans.com, our correspondent Jack Parati profiled offensive guard Justin Pugh as a potential Texans free agent target. He's got some interesting numbers on Pugh. He'll continue profiling Texans free agent possibilities, so look for that over on LockedOnTexans.com. Uh, Brian's got all the sports covered in H-Town over on HouseOfHouston.com, a fan side affiliate. You know about that. Now let's listen in on J.J. Watt at the podium accepting his Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yesterday I had a chance to, uh, we had a few events for the nominees, and I had a chance to spend a lot of time with both Greg and Benjamin, the other nominees for this award. And there's one thing that I know, it's that I wouldn't rather share this nomination with other, two other guys than them. They represent everything that's right about this league. They represent everything that's right about the players in this league and giving back to the community. So please give a round of applause to both Greg and Benjamin. We also had a chance to spend some time with the Peyton family, the beautiful Miss Connie, her daughter Brittany, and son Jarrett. I cannot express how humbled and honored that I am to be mentioned in the same sentence as Walter Payton, a man who did everything right not only off, on the field but also off of it. And I'm going to continue to try and live that legacy and make that family proud. So thank you all for supporting me. Speaking of family, I cannot thank my own enough. My mom, Connie, my dad, John, my brother, TJ, my brother, Derek, and my beautiful girlfriend, Kalia. Thank you for standing side by side with me through everything and always being willing to lend a helping hand. I couldn't have done any, any of this without you. So thank you. I love you guys. This award is called the Man of the Year Award, but I promise you it is so much bigger than just one man. This award is about the inherent good that lies within humanity. It is about the city of Houston and its ability to overcome adversity at a time when it all seemed lost. It is about the hundreds of thousands of people from all over the country and all over the world who donated to a city they may never have been to, to people they may never meet, but they donated simply because they saw their fellow human going through a difficult time and they wanted to help out. This award is about true heroes, like police officer Norbert Ramon, 
who's in his 24th year on the job, and he's going through chemotherapy to battle stage four colon cancer. When the storm hit and there was no way to get to his station, he found a way to get to the only station he could get to. And over the course of the next three days, he and his unit helped rescue over 1,500 people by boat to deliver them to safety. Throughout the storm and its recovery, we have seen thousands of examples like Officer Ramon, and I am certain that there are thousands more which we do not see. Everyday people stepping up to help out their fellow human when they need it most. Whether it be something as big as rescuing thousands of people by boat or as small as starting a lemonade stand to donate money to the cause. Time and time again, we are shown how beautiful and generous the human spirit can be. And in today's world, more than ever, it is that spirit that we need to see more of. I started my foundation in college after seeing a story on TV about a safety at Florida State named Myron Roll. Myron had started his own charitable foundation while still attending school. I'd never even thought about that as a possibility. I just assumed you had to be a millionaire to have a charity. I didn't know any better. I've never met Myron, I've never spoken to Myron, and I'm sure he doesn't know that he's the reason I started my foundation. But Myron showed me what's possible, and he helped to inspire me. And because of that, and because of my mom and our incredible volunteers of my foundation, there are now thousands of kids getting an opportunity to play sports after school that otherwise may not have. And there are now people in Houston who are benefiting from the donations from all over the world from the funds that we raised. Whether we realize it or not, we are affecting everyone around us with our every move. The more that we can shine a light on the positivity and the good that there is in this world, the better off we're going to be. We all have to go through this crazy journey together. So why not help each other out and make it as great of a journey as possible? I'm incredibly grateful. I'm incredibly thankful to receive this award, and I will cherish it for the rest of my life. The only thing that I ask of you is to join me in trying to carry on the legacy that Walter Payton left behind of leaving this world better than we found it. Take a moment. Ask yourself, how can I make a difference? No matter how big, no matter how small, how can I make a difference? And when you have your answer, go out and do it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Everybody have a wonderful night. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.